Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to another episode of the Disney vs. Disney Debates, the podcast where we are going to figure out once and for all what is the best Disney film ever made. I am your host and Grandmaster Zane C. Weber. Here with me are two debaters to figure out which is the better Disney film out of The Princess and the Frog and Inside Out. But before I introduce them, I'm going to introduce you to my fact checker of the day, Stacey Hobbs. Hello. How are you going, Stacey? I am very well, thank you. Are you impartial in this debate? Or do you have inclinations that you should air? I do have inclinations. However, I am a lover of Disney. So (laughs) I'm willing to put those inclinations aside and... Uh, award the well, you award the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why are you going, going to, to award, award the winner? I'm going to be impartial and I'm going to pick people up on things, whether or not they are supporting my inclination or not. <laughs> Ever the professional. So, today, pro- uh, I was going to say protecting, but defending the Princess and the Frog, we have none other than Georgina Purdy. Hello. How are you, Georgie? I am excellent. Do you love the Princess and the Frog? I do. I feel like I've grown to love it more and more as I get older. Every time it's good rewatch mm. value. It Every yeah. time something about it, I'm like, yes. You forget how good the New Orleans music is. Oh, you did. Oh. Yeah. I'll and save it for the debate because I can talk <laughs> about it for a long time. And defending Inside Out is none other than Matthew Butler. That's right. Oh, Maddie. Don't make me mute you because I will. <laughs> I Please will do, do not. I'll behave. Now, do you love Inside Out? I do. It holds a very special place in my heart. It's one of those movies when I heard the concept of it and I went to the cinema by myself. I didn't even ask anyone. It's like, I'm seeing this movie and no one's going to stop me. Did anyone try? <laughs> No. People holding you back, like, no. Usually people are encouraging you to go see movies. Yeah, I'm banned from most cinemas. Okay, well, let's not look any further into that. So if you you have been listening to us before this, you will know that we are in our second round of debates. That means that we have a longer form debate format Mm. now. You each will have six minutes to give me both the arguments for your movie and against your opponents. You will get a warning tone at five minutes. It will sound something like this. And at six minutes, you'll be cut off very rudely by Darkwing Duck saying... The jig is up, you jaded, jug-headed jack-in-the-box! 
I like that Darkwing Duck understands the only way to stop me talking is to point a gun at me and stick me up. <laughs> Good. Uh, I told him that. Now, after that, we will have a break and we'll come back with the cross-examination in which Stacey and I will ask you questions about statements that you have made or perhaps statements that we think you should have made about your film. And after another short break, we'll come back with closing statements, which is three minutes to once and for all tell us why your film is the best Disney film ever made and why your opponents is not. Ready. Now we have rolled a dice and we have determined that Matthew will be going first. Indeed. Uh, So your time starts when you start talking. Inside Out 2015. It is the quintessential story of all the people inside your head controlling how you feel. And no, I'm not talking about Meet Dave starring Eddie Murphy. Of course, this is Inside Out by Pixar. Now, as my glorious predecessor, Gentry, declared... Inside Out has many great things going for it. Above all, it has a magnificent world building and a great two-protagonist story, which is a very rare thing. So, it juggles its two protagonists, at first seeming to favour joy, and then as the story goes on and the theme becomes more clear, we get a clearer second protagonist, which is sadness. And it goes into what I like to think about this movie, is that into real psychology. It's clear that this film studied actual psychology, not some pseudo-Hollywood psychology. It proclaims proudly through one of the most meta coming-of-age stories ever told that all emotions are useful and that none of them should be prized at the expense of the rest. There is a great moment where we swipe through Riley's memories and see it's not just sad or happy, it's actually very sad, then less sad, then finally gloriously happy, even bittersweet happy, and that's like the most pertinent, soul-touching kind of happiness that I think as humans we can achieve. As Austin Wells said, if you want a happy ending, that depends, of course, where you stop the story. Now, moving on, the animation. (laughs) I'm going through my notes. Full (laughs) stop. Just just the animation. The animation um, has, uh, leading the charge, has Pete Doctor, famous for Up and Monsters, Inc., and he uses Inside Out as a playground to to create a landscape that does something that's very, very rare in filmmaking and has a massive, like, kind of, it pays dividends. It's a high-concept movie, it's, but it's not sci-fi. It's not a fantasy film. It is a, it's almost like a dreamlike film with real-world consequences because it seamlessly blends the consequences of the, movie, of the movie happening with joy and sadness with the real-world consequences, consequences of Riley. And therefore, what, what we get is a story in which when the action and the stakes in the dream directly expound on an even larger unknown scale to our heroes in the real world. And it creates these two like simultaneous timelines that draw us both in equally. We feel for Riley. We are Riley. Riley represents what we are in so many ways and how we feel. Um, now, unlike The Princess and the Frog, which is a nostalgia piece, it's constantly doing, it's constantly revitalizing old films and everything that was good in Disney movies, like the pink, it has uh, throwbacks to Pink Elephants on Parade, Bare Necessities, uh, Robin Hood the Snake in the Shadow, Bare Necessity, of course, when the alligator has the frogs running, riding on its belly. And the music is almost too blandly Randy Newman. Like, Robin, John Williams got lauded for his score for The Last Jedi, but it was good. It was John Williams, but it wasn't new. Randy Newman does great New Orleans jazz here, but the, wor- like the thing that kind of detracts from that score is it's too Randy Newman. He put too much of his signature and I couldn't get lost in this kind of New Orleans world because I was constantly reminded that this is a Randy Newman Disney score film. Um, speaking of like 
you know, harkening back to old stuff, Princess and the Frog is far too much of a formulaic concoction. For a film that's supposed to be a whole new era of princesses with the first African-American princess, not only is she barely African-American in the movie because she's turned into an inoffensive, adorable green frog for the most part, whereas the villain remains an African-American throughout the whole thing, um, the story is fun, sure, but it's thin and uneven. It's a simple romantic journey when the characters are... the characters are jokes that are bigger than them. Like the best moment, uh, one of the moments I quite treasure is that this is an alligator who wants to play the trumpet and play jazz. And he lurks onto the ship, leaps upon and scares everyone as he breaks down into an awesome tune. That's the joke of his character for the whole movie, that he's a jazz musician that's out of place. And yes, he achieves his goal and that's nice, but it's thin. It's not like the journey of Inside Out when we have characters who realise they're all useful from every single emotion right through to Riley who realises that the best way she can handle her emotions and the turmoil that she's in right now is by expressing herself and her true feelings to her parents who need to value her for how she's feeling and who she is. Um, Excuse me while I check my notes for a moment. Yes! <laughs> no. So, so the dreamlike sequence is so well intertwined with reality inside out that we have an entirely figurative character like Bing Bong with such relevance to the history of Riley as well as the presence of our figurative hero's adventures that he that revolving around him are the most endearing and heartrending moments. He is a ronin of positivity who still pledges allegiance to his samurai master who released him years ago and then eventually, spoiler alert, falls nobly for his cause. That's a moment that you can't get from a traditional Disney movie. This movie went above and beyond, excelling at the format to create what animation does best, a film that can never, ever be recreated in live action. It is an immensely quotable, inventive, joyful, strongly themed, lauded, Highly lauded. It has a whole Wikipedia page dedicated to its awards, as we found out last episode. And it's communicative. And it avoids a lot of cliched visuals and storytelling that, unfortunately, as much as I love Princess and the Frog, it does not. All right. Almost to the second. Very well done. Uh, I'm just going to make one One more note there. Okay, Georgie. You will have six minutes to tell me why Matt is wrong and you are right. And your time starts when you start talking. The Princess and the Frog is a classic, re- is a retelling of a classic fairy tale, but taking it up, twisting it up, and putting it in earlier 20th century New Orleans. And it also stars Disney's first African American princess. It's a joyful celebration of Disney returning to its old animation roots. It has incredible music, complex characters, emotional gut punches, and beautiful visuals, which all combine to make it one of the best Disney movies. The story offers a glimpse into New Orleans and its many cultures. We have black, white, Creole, Cajun, French, and voodoo influences all displayed and celebrated. There are hints at the power structure of the, of the South without smacking the audience over the head with it. And this setting and the ex- exploration of all these cultural elements make it such an important movie as well as a good movie. Princess and the Frog obviously goes back to the hand-drawn style of animation, which is a conscious throwback to the more 2D classic look of Disney, um, inspired by Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty, the era of Disney at its finest. This 2D style is warm, familiar, and it's inviting. It's like coming home for Disney. The visuals are rich, detailed, and vivid throughout the 
the film. T- Tiana's dream sequence is divine, changing the animation style again into this beautiful art deco cutout style that's visually stunning as well as invoking and paying homage to the feel of the paintings of the Harlem Renaissance. The voice talents are incredible. Anika No Rose, Jim Cummings, Oprah Winfrey, Terrence Howard, John Goodman, just to name a few, all give each of their characters so much spirit and heart. Um, The music in this film is Disney at its finest. New Orleans gospel jazz score is a character unto itself. You listen to this music and you know that this film couldn't be set anywhere else. It's a soulful, southern, sophisticated soundtrack that is masterfully composed by the famous Randy Newman. It is full of nods to the region's sounds, whether it be Dixieland jazz by a snaggletooth gator, um, Zydeco by a firefly, Creole waltzes, swamp blues, gospel, and two show-stopping Broadway numbers almost there and dig a little deeper. The music also cleverly entwines the characters we have the powerhouse vocals of Tiana complementing her strong personality and then something like our smooth suave um, music for Naveen who's repping it on the ukulele Uh, the message of this film is also incredibly important and there's a lot of them that still ring true to this day. The very beginning of the film, the dad says, Tiana, that old star can only take you part of the way. you got to help it along with some hard work of your own. This is a beautiful expansion on Disney's When You Wish Upon a Star. And it becomes a motto for a more modern age, showing that we can't just make wishes. We have to go out there and put in the work ourselves. Uh, Tiana also doesn't start off as a little girl who only wants to be a princess and fall in love. She has goals, she has ambitions, and she works so very hard to make those dreams reality. Two jobs, a big change from any other princess that we've previously seen. We also have the lovely relationship of the friendship between Tiana and Lottie. Um, It's a true friendship that we don't often see a lot of in Disney film, particularly between two girls. Um, They help and support each other whilst never bringing each other down. While Tiana longs for the money to make her dream come true, she is never bitter or um, jealous of Lottie's what she's got in life. Um, There is romance in the film, but it's not the central message of the story. They do find love, but they both bring out the best in each other and inspire each other to expand their own preconceived and narrow ideas of the world. And they both learn what has been missing in their own lives and they help each other through it. There is so much to love about this film. We have supporting characters that shine. Big Daddy, Lottie, Lottie, Mama, Odie, the Firefly Ray, um, Louis the Gator and the Shadow Man, Dr. Fisalia, who's a wonderfully sinister villain with his creepy shadows that are so simple but so effective when they're chasing down the heroes. This movie is very funny. It's witty. It's clever. It's got some slapstick humour in there. It's a little bit from everyone. But this film also has so much heart. What other movie could make you fall in love instantly with a strange-looking firefly so that his death, when his star appears in the sky next to Evangeline, it's one of the most emotional moments um, that we see in modern Disney. Inside Out, on the other hand, offers a portrayal of the protagonist Riley's inner life, but it is a... It is lacking in its interpretation. She has emotions, memories, but nothing that corresponds to a conscious or a moral judgment. So without this conscious, the movie depicts Riley as simply a slave to her emotions. It suggests that we just bounce around from one emotion to the next with no guidance. This approach is problematic, especially when we look at the movie that's targeted to children. Even adults question the notion that we have no free will or volition of our own, and it's merely our emotions guiding us, let alone these poor children who are developing and have to watch this. Yes, they may 
have had a psychological consultant, but there are many different interpretations of the conscious and memory. So we can't just say one um, expert in that one field of that one area has made this film great. Um, the characters are problematic. We have Joy, who's a beautiful, um, slim, bubbly, cheerful person, whereas poor old sadness is dumpy, frumpy, short and old. What does this say to link that these interpretations of joy and sadness to a physicalization that kids are going to have to look up to? We also have plot holes. Um, whenever sadness touches the marbles, they turn to sad, but the other emotions touch them and it doesn't mirror them at all. So fear, disgust and anger all touch the orbs and nothing happens. We also have um, the weird animation sequence where they go into 2D, which basically feels like the animators trying to show off, like, oh, we can do something cool with animation. The animation is fine in this film, but it's nothing groundbreaking and it's nothing to be um, remembered by. We also have emotions that are showing emotions. What kind of wormhole is that going down? The main characters are emotions, yet they go through all the emotions itself. That sets us down on a rabbit hole that I don't think children are equipped to deal with. So obviously we can see from this that Princess and the Frog has strong morals and heart that Inside Out doesn't possibly live up to. Well done. You didn't make it all the way to the end, Ooh. luckily, because I warned you I late. Want, I didn't want to. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I know, uh, I was like, Ooh. A lot of A lot of points there, a lot of opinions as well mm. on mm. both sides. Uh, also uh, opinions. There's a lot of opinions rather than facts. Yeah, but so is, are there for. any facts to check before we move on? I'm nice. a man of emotions. There's a lot of <laughs> conjecture. <laughs> um, well... Is conjecture or interpretation of facts rather than action? Yes, and no I, I think we'll, we'll yep. get to yes. a lot of that in the cross-examination. Wonderful. So without any further ado, let's take a little break and we'll come back with the cross-examination. All right, cross-examination time. Matthew. Yes. You were actually quite critical of Randy Newman in his yes. uh, in his efforts in The Princess and the Frog. Can you tell me specifically why the music in Inside Out is better than what is in The Princess and the Frog? Certainly. So whereas the music in The Princess and the Frog is great, and while I would criticise especially Randy Newman doing his own singing for like songs in Princess and the Frog like Down in New Orleans, which really takes you out of the jazz world that he's creating... What the music in Princess and the Frog really does, it either propels the story forward as a musical should or it paints the world. It never reflects really the emotions of the characters directly. And Inside Out is all about emotions. The music in Inside Out, it reflects in almost like symphonic beauty how great the, how great the feeling is that is erupting in these emotions and the characters. And, and that kind of was what I love about the, the emotions themselves having their own emotions. Do I think that there's tinier versions of themselves in their own heads? No. I think they're reflecting that we don't just feel pure joy ever. Like sometimes we can feel like ecstasy and feel like we're only experiencing joy, but that's a whole multitude of things. Being an emotion, like I imagine living as an emotion would have a lot of challenges and facets to that job, I guess you'd call it, quotation marks, and that you could be bittersweet. So when Joy is feeling sad, but, you know, she's Joy, either... She, you seem it, to have drifted a fair way I was way going to say, this is no longer about the music. music. I, I do that, but yeah. Can you, <laughs> can you give me one point in the film yeah. 
that the music specifically touched you. Yes. Um, so Joy has fallen into like the, I guess the, the all of the orbs are dark in that mm-hmm. pit where no one returns. The from. memory dump. The memory dump. Thank you. And she's clutching this memory and it's fading and it's all she has left of Riley and the music of bittersweet kind of farewell mm-hmm. that's playing in that moment. Like that's when I tear up in that movie out of three. <laughs> and that specific moment is more powerful than when Ray's star appears next to Evangeline. <gasps> no. I mean, that's just my <laughs> response. No, I'm, I'm asking Matthew here. I would. Okay. I would say that because the music's very good, but it's, especially when it comes to film scoring, it's about the context in which it is played. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. the um, Ray being in love with this star, it's, you know, it's, tu- it's sentimental, it's touching, but it's also a joke that he thinks the star is real and it's not. Is it beautiful that at the last moment he becomes a star and he appears next to Peter Pan, which is also, again, trying to score points with the audience by harkening back to Peter Pan? Well, that um, takes me into my ooh, next question, yes. which is one for Georgina. Yes. That's very good. I'm ready. Now, Georgina. Yes. Matthew has mentioned a number of times mm. the nostalgia factor as a negative for, for it. The Princess okay. and the Frog. You yourself have mentioned the uh, nostalgia factor as a positive in relations to the representation of New Orleans during mm-hmm. this time period, yes. the Harlem Renaissance, uh, Art Deco, the fact that this is the last hand animated or the last traditionally yeah. animated Disney film. So I would like for you to justify the why the nostalgia in this film counts for The Princess and the Frog rather than against it. Exactly. I think it's... again, nostalgia does play a big part in it. I remember when it was announced this was coming out, I was like, oh, my God, it's another classic Disney film. But what I think it does so nicely is it does something different with that New Orleans style, which is not a style that Disney previously has kind of taken in. Um, But it does pay homage to its classic films because that's what makes Disney Disney. It has those homages to Peter Pan and um, the stylistic um, points that were brought up in Lady and the Tramp, but it that was part of its purpose to relive those glory days of it. Another thing that I think is really beautiful, and this links into our representation of the our first African American princess, is mm-hmm. that it's traditional. It's not like oh, we had to wait until we had this new style of animation. It it has that beautiful representation in something that feels like it's a Renaissance Disney animation. All right. So well, it has that beautiful representation in the olden context. I would like to give you to expand on that. I'd like to yeah. give you another. Uh, I'd like to give you a moment to justify. Yeah. Matthew made a very good point that this uh, African American representation a little bit undermined because they actually turned her into mm-hmm. a frog for the majority of the film. So it's, it's not an African American princess being seen on screen, even though it is an African American princess. In the film. In the film. So I would like to give you a moment to justify why that is not problematic. I don't think it's it's problematic. Obviously, she spends a lot of the time in the film also as a human. It's mm-hmm. not predominantly. We're introduced to her character before she turns into the frog. She establishes herself as a strong character while still being in human form um, and the frog's kind of an obstacle to it. Also, when we look at the legacy that the movie has left in terms of when, the, when um, she's included in the Disney canon, she's included as her princess version of herself. Mm-hmm. So in the lasting representation that Disney has chosen and how they're going to represent her they have her as an african-american princess in her beautiful frog ball gown so it's kind of a bit of both 
both uh, the best of both worlds. So I don't think her turning into a frog is a commentary on, oh, we we have to kind of hide her as a frog. Okay. It's just the nature of the story. Okay. And then they celebrate her at the end and the beginning of the film as they should. Okay. Thank you. That's well said. Uh, Matthew. Yeah. You have accused uh, the princess and the frog of being cliche. Yes. Can you... Tell me why Inside Out is not cliche because, yes, Princess of the Frog mm. retreads some ground by using tropes. Mm-hmm. Your film has a literal train of thought. Yes. <laughs> it's very uh, clever. Very is it literal. not cliche? It, again, Disney builds on cliches. Name so another to- train of thought in popular culture, like another literal train of thought. Name another <laughs> literal jazz playing alligator? I yeah. mean, it's it's... Uh, Not. <laughs> does K. I can see you thinking. Does, is does there, K. Rool? Is there <laughs> trope like that these turns of phrase become literal when inside a dream state? So I wanted. I want you to justify why cliches are good in your film and bad in Princess and the Frog. Well, that's a very good question. Well, <laughs> gotta make yourself laugh, folks. Uh, the great. The cliches in like the dreamlike sequence, it's like it has to paint a very full and in-depth world very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So we can have the train of thought, see it, hear the title, we know exactly what it is. It's like, okay, it's a literal train of thought. It's going to take us from one place of the brain or the mind or the dream to another. Whereas in Princess and the Frog, it's cliche in the story. And in the story, it could be whatever it wants. It doesn't have to do a roguish prince who is rough around the edges, uh, falling for and uh, falling for and vice versa for like the tight laced like princess. Um, it doesn't. It didn't have to do that. It could have done any myriad of things, and it didn't have to have like the old kind of sage and deliver pretty much pure exposition in their one like one of their few scenes immediately. It could have had like one character. I don't know. I'm not. We don't need to speculate. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. made your point. Thank you. Um, yeah. mm. Well said. Thank you. Now, I think that both of you have listened back to the previous debates to do with these movies because mm. both of you have brought up my favourite parts of both of the films. So mm-hmm. I would like <laughs> you both to expound upon why the side characters mm. in your film are better executed and mean more for the film and for Disney than your opponents. We'll start with Matthew because we're starting with Matthew. Good, good reasoning. <laughs> Matthew goes Solid first. Reason. In, in no, the, I got, the you. I got yeah. you. Can I debate like that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the characters in mine, I think, are, for lack of a better word, superior than the ones in... Feel free the, to use specifics. Yeah. I want specifics here. Good, good, good. So... Each, as I said, each of the characters and the emotions, they all have like their own spectrum of feeling and they all come into use very, very uniquely, not only practically to propel the story along, but in terms of when they interject dialogue, it's very, very personal. Like, you know exactly who's speaking at all times and you know why they're there. And even though, you know, they on the surface, they're simple. Like, this is the sad one. This is the angry one. They all have a myriad of jokes, like the angry one, it represents like he wears like office slacks and he's very formal. So he's a, he's a representation, not only of our like literal anger, but he's a representation of our frustration and say work culture in the office. or so just with people and going through the world, just um, fear. He's great because uh, yes, he's like very neurotic and scared all the time, but he's also charming and endearing and 
surprisingly witty for a character who's so shy. Like he reminds me of a comedian from, I can't remember, this old like com- comedy variety show who who worked with Mel Brooks. He used to whisper into someone's ear to, to talk in the writer's room and then someone else would say his idea. And this character was just like so kind of, invocative of that kind of quiet in the corner witty kind of character and there's they're all like that they all have such unique wit and right. flavor to them mm. whereas the character Julie noted okay, okay Georgina I think the side characters in Princess and the Frog are really special because we get to see so many different dynamics we get to see a father-daughter dynamic with um, Big Daddy and Lottie, which is so caring and supportive. Um, we see that friendship with Ray and Louis, who just like find these talking frogs who are like, I need to become human. And they're like, right, we're on it. We'll help you. So there's that beautiful kind of like oddball friendships that develop, whilst also they display real emotions. They really care about each other. These characters form really quick bonds, yes, but they're really beautiful. You've got Mama Odie, who's kind of this sage, wise um, woman there. And she was inspired by our New Orleans culture and they actually had consultants to try and get that character right in terms of how she is portrayed um, the same with the the voodoo and the shadow man so all of these different characters represent different relations to each other but also pay homage to um, the culture of the film whereas in Inside Out I feel like all the supporting characters become a bit two-dimensional by the nature of them being one emotion anger is just angry because he doesn't get dessert like that's it we have no fear just yelling around and being scared we have disgust which is a really weird emotion she's basically more judgment like she's just judging things she's like oh we want to be friends with her because she's cool that's not disgust it's a I find that a very weird emotion choice to be on par with sadness and um, happiness Um, we also um, the parents don't really pay too much of a role and when they do again they don't have a lot of depth because we only see their building of their character through these flashbacks of memories which are very scarce and only just kind of observed so we don't have like in Princess and the Frog these beautiful development and connections between the side characters they're just there for one-liners okay all right well i am satisfied with your answers so we are going to take another break Mm. and we're going to come back with your closing arguments all right it has come to the time for you to give your final statements as to why your film is the best Disney film ever made and why your opponents is not. Mm. We will be starting once again with Matthew. You'll have three minutes. You won't get a warning. You'll just be cut off at three quite rudely by Darkwing Duck. And your time starts when you start talking. Very well. Now, I think we can all agree that Meet Dave did a great job trying to represent emotions in our head, but it just didn't cut the cake like Inside Out did. Inside Out externalized emotions and opened a dialogue for kids (laughs) so damn well that it really is, it's not just a great movie, but it's an important movie that needed to be told. It respects its audience. And I'm not just talking about the fact that it references Chinatown in a wonderful, like, spontaneous bit of dialogue. But I, I was the only person who laughed in the theatre, by the way, when that <laughs> happened. Um, but it's, it's a movie that invites you to think intellectually about psychology and emotions and how we, how we react to when kids act out or how we as kids ourselves kind of process our emotions. And... Unlike Princess and the Frog, which is, again, I think it's a great movie, but it is a traditional fairy tale and it's frustrating that Disney did, hearkened back 
to the old days of like traditional animation and still hold a traditional story, it would have been nice to see if traditional animation could tell new stories. And you say that um, Princess and the Frog is coming home and Roger Ebert in his review, pretty much it was all about just hearkening, it was just all about lauding the fact that it went back to traditional animation. And he was just like, I'm an old fashioned guy and I liked old fashioned animation. I like old fashioned animation, but Inside Out was a great forge ahead for Disney, and that's what Disney has always been about. It's not about you know a highlight reel of our of Disney's history. It's about forging ahead, creating new stories, opening up new dialogue, and reaching out to kids in new ways and entertaining adults at the same time. And finally, we have Bing Bong. Like you said before, that we don't we don't change our relationships with characters, but Bing Bong is positive the whole time. When I first watched it, I thought Bing Bong was a sinister character. I thought, how could anyone be this positive all the time? And then it broke my heart when we lost him. Bing, Bing Bong, Joy, Sadness, they're all very great characters who, as we go over time, Sadness at first is a, an annoying obstacle making Riley unhappy, and then we see her importance. Joy, at the start we think she's like a psychotic Woody analogy, but instead she becomes a very fully fleshed leader who realises that she needs to appreciate every member of her team in their own way. It's a great movie for not just analysing your emotions and opening up that dialogue, but it's a movie about understanding yourself and people around you. That's all, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's inside out. <laughs> all right, well, okay. Georgina, you have three Ooh. minutes to all make right, your final statements. Your time starts when you start talking. The Princess and the Frog is a long-awaited return to the heart of what Disney is all about. A sweeping score, the embracing of the New Orleans spirit. It has strong, complex characters, a rollicking adventure plot and a beautiful moral story that everyone can learn from, which clearly makes it the best of the Disney film. Tiana is a wonderful role model that shows young girls that you can be a strong, independent, um, driven character, but you can also fall in love. It's got the beautiful sides of both elements that um, Disney do so well. She's offered the easy way out to find her dreams, but she doesn't take it. She's strong enough to resist the temptations of evil of the shadow man. Like she listens to what Mama Odie says and she digs deeper to see what is truly important. And what her dad always knew for her is that there is a difference between what you want and what you need. And her love for Naveen doesn't take away from her hard work or her story. It just gives her a new dream that she can also work towards. Um, it feels like Disney's moving forward in terms of our representation, which is so important and something we don't often see in Disney. And again, what makes it so special. Inside Out, um, yes, we do see the representation of an inner mind, but we're telling children that they're made up of cute little people, quaint little locales, which is very simple and perfectly understood roles. But this is not the case. This is not not for 100% certain how um, human consciousness works. It's simplistic and it could possibly be a harmful one. We also have here gender stereotypes being reinforced. Joy, sadness and disgust are female. Anger and fear are male. When asked, the director himself said, oh, anger is kind of a masculine emotion, so let's go with a man. We have emotions now being gender stereotyped. What kind of world is that? We also have the very lazy characterization of both the mum and dad's emotions, both being male and female. And again, the director was like, ah, oh, we just need a quick, simple way to kind of show that it's mum and dad. There's no thought put into that. It's just simply, yeah, we'll whip, whip a long wig on these emotions and they're female. Um, in the, the main character, uh, Riley's emotions, um, 
show us all different things, but again, their own motivations are, are not really explored apart from a two-dimensional representation of each emotion, which doesn't give a complexity. We basically see this main character of Riley acting as a puppet. She's just a shell for the emotions that run inside her body. And what kind of message is that? The princess and the frog gives us both memorable music, paints this beautiful, rich um, tapestry of a diverse and real culture. It gives us a moral message that's applicable to everyone um also whilst giving us a fun return to what we know and love as disney which makes it the obvious choice as the better movie all right gosh okay (laughs) (laughs) all right that one out although Uh, can i fact check yes please do we actually know for 100 percent certain that we don't have little... Well, yeah. are you, are you a neurologist? <laughs> Do we have a fact check? Has someone actually been turned into a frog? <laughs> you know, by kissing a prince? Can we fact check that? Well, she turned me into a newt. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. I have to read through my notes, so while I yeah. do that, please take a moment to let each other know what you like about your opponent's film. May I start? Yes, you may. Because I absolutely adore <laughs> Princess and the Frog. Like... Not to undermine this glorious debate, but <laughs> the the Princess and the Frog, again, how it painted, especially the French Quarter of New Orleans. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, just the way it's drawn, the way... One of my favourite elements of Peter Pan, which is one of my favourite Disney movies, was the shadow, that Peter Pan's shadow. Yeah. And the way they kind of built on that and the, the superb animation that goes into Dr. Facilia's shadow... It's just memorizing, mesmerizing. Like back in high school, I did a whole short film inspired by that, <laughs> that animation. Uh, and I got an A for it. You better a. believe it. A. <laughs> it's, it's just. It's beautiful. Like the animation in it is so lovely. It's crisp, it's crisp storytelling. Is it yeah. old fashioned storytelling? Yes. But, but it's, that's what Disney's about. Like, yeah. let's be honest. Good old fashioned storytelling that's appropriate for modern audiences? Sign me up. Like, <laughs> that is what filmmaking's about it's what classic hollywood's about and it's the best side of classic hollywood princess and the frog a plus a plus i i really like inside out as well i hadn't seen it until this week i will be honest Mm. um and everyone had been raving about it i know stacy's shaking her head at me in disgust for the i was so excited when she's doing this debate because i was like finally you can watch it so i watched it (laughs) and i i did really like it i my favorite thing about it is that fear is drawn to represent a nerve cell. Like just as the scientist in me, like that's his inspiration because it's like on his nerves. And I'm like, that's so funny. So I I love that. And they're all, all the little emotions are beautiful. And the dream, when they're filming her dream Mm. as well. I love that. It's so funny. And the dog like jumps in half and it's like, ah, I love it. It's a very relatable movie. Yeah. 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 All right. Do we have an answer? I guess Ooh. I guess I have an answer. I you think guess, I have an answer. I think maybe. This is really hard. This this particular debate, I love both of these films mm. and I cannot tell you which one I prefer most as a human being. As a being. human being. Mm. So I'm just going to I'm just going to have to work through my notes here. Yep, just process it. Just to process. I'm going to do it out loud. Um now, two protagonists. Two protagonist films. I love it. It's not even a, a buddy. Like they are playing against each other most of the time. That is something unique about this, uh, yeah. about Inside mm-hmm. Out that is just amazing. Also, the the cliches and the tropes being turned into literalizations <laughs> of themselves. Yeah. That is something that 
immediately gives you language to talk about what's going on in the film that mm-hmm. everyone understands. It is, it it this is Pixar at its best. Um, into tying all these disparate ideas into one cohesive story because this is just kind of a coming-of-age story for Riley, Mm -hmm. but it's told through allegories, like literal allegories, uh, which is mind-boggling when you start to think about it, whether the emotions have emotions in their heads or whatever. (laughs) Um, Now, Georgie, you brought up a couple of plot holes. Yes, and I put a couple of questions in there, a question marks against it because I think that there weren't actual plot holes. Matt didn't answer to it. Um, well, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> I would agree that it wasn't a plot hole. It was actually a, a, a device of the story. So I'm that, a busy boy. <laughs> in terms of when the other emotions touch it, yes. it doesn't change colour. Correct. Oh, well, yes, I mean, it yes. seems convenient. Yeah. It's a convenient plot hole. Plot hole is a plot device. Plot device is the words I'm looking for. But yes, yes. so because uh, they definitely do touch it, I we was could watching. Explain it. They they do, and you mm. do. You will see later on at the end that there are they mix then yeah. mixed of all emotions. Mm. Um, but again, it is the conflict between joy and sadness that is the kind yes. of first time that this has happened. So they're freaking out about it. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to the nostalgia. Of Princess and the Frog. I cannot count this as a negative towards it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a good try because that is what this film is. And if I did count it against it, it would would totally remove it from the argument. Mm. But the homage that it pays to both that time and that place... um, ...through not only the story but the characters and the tropes that it explores is, again, a very, very, very cohesive story that, like, those things weren't necessarily made to go together, but Disney put them together. Mm. Um, So, uh, and again, when we talk about the side characters, Bing Bong is, again, on the list of my favourite Disney characters of all time. Did you like me comparing him to a Ronan? I mean... (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) A Ronin of positivity, what's not to like? (laughs) And and just to show you how hard this is for me, Lottie is also on that list, possibly tied. Oh, my gosh. Because she's such... Oh, I love it. In any Disney film previous to this one, she would be the antagonist. Yeah. She would be fighting against Tiana, getting the prince and getting her happy ever after. Whereas in this film, she doesn't even think twice. She's just like... Oh, you're in love. Well, then have all of my support and help. Mm. Um, I will kiss this She's frog. a great character. And She's that so is something good. that Disney has done. It, it gives, it, with Princess and the Frog, it gives it representation without comment. Yeah. When we get to things like Tangle, Tangle is directly commenting on things that have come beforehand Mm. Um, and things like, well, we're not going to do this again. Our princess is going to fight herself and the the man is just going to be along for the ride. Whereas Georgina rightly said, the message in Princess and the Frog is that love can bring out the best in in two people and she is a princess but she's still going to be working. She's the only Disney princess that has a job, I believe. Yeah. and so that that is something very unique that comes out of this uh, this uh, nostalgia. Mm. Inside Out is, as you said, important. It gives children 
a way to talk about their feelings in a way that everyone can understand. Um, and I guess that was one of the criticisms of Inside Out when it came out is that it was aimed towards children, but that doesn't stop adults from liking it. It's It, it does do justice to... I didn't mark down the undevelopment of the parents' stories because I think that they are fully rounded characters. You're just not seeing a very uh, a very thorough view into their world. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, so again, like I think you you said, it's it's an important film and it is a good film. But is it the best Disney film? Ah. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it is, but I have to make a decision. Oh, gosh, this is hard. Oh. I didn't buy into your argument. Oh no. That the characters were jokes and not characters. Mm. Uh, I think Ray is very funny, but Ray is a very honest character. Um Ray is one of my favourites. <laughs> I was watching again last night. He steals him, then he steps on him, and I was like, "Oh, it's too emotional to deal with." Again. And then also a lot of a lot of the things <laughs> that uh, that Georgie said about gender rep and uh, the representation of of the of the emotions. Again, I didn't buy into that either. So when it comes down to it, Inside Out is is Disney figuring out what it wants to do going forward, um, and it is it is a polished concept. It is very, very tightly written and thought out, whereas The Princess and the Frog is definitely like a farewell and a thank you to Disney of what Disney has done in the past while undoing some of the the harm that it has done with uh, African-American representation and uh, and harking back to, like you said, Elephants on Parade, Peter Pan, all these things that have Mm. come before. It was the final of the final traditional animation. And so I think Princess and the Frog is the better Disney yes. film. Brava. Yes. It's oh, a hurts. hard one. I that can see the pain in your face. <laughs> I can um, see the pain. Though I, again, I can't imagine I can't imagine finding inside out. Oh uh, no, this is really hard <laughs> for me, hard. you guys. It's the battle's one. won, it's done. It's done. <laughs> I think I think it will be interesting to see what uh, our audience has to say. Yeah. So there will yeah. be a poll up. I think they're two very aye, different films. Aye. Very great <laughs> films. Yeah. Uh, so go on our Facebook and have your say. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, so thank you. To Georgie and congratulations for your win. Victor, I put my crown on. (laughs) You'll be going through to round three where no doubt the argument's going to get even harder. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Matthew, for uh, representing Inside Out so well. Thanks for having me. And I'm sorry, Inside Out. (laughs) And I'm sorry, Meet Dave. And I'm sorry, my feelings. I didn't even bring up Meet Dave. I have Meet Dave with three question marks. (laughs) Make it four. (laughs) And thank you once again to Stacey for fact checking us right through to the end. You're very welcome. And we'll be here same time next week with another Disney vs. Disney debate. Until then, keep watching Disney, everyone. The world is a mess. War, famine, politics. Why can't everyone just get along? Yeah, like in musicals. Musicals fix everything. If people listened and learned from musicals, everything would be better. Music, lights and spontaneous choreography. 
what isn't there to love? If you want to learn all of life's important lessons, or just listen to some musical theatre nerds wax lyrical, subscribe to Musicals Tell Me Everything I Know, wherever you find fun and funny podcasts. Or at our website at thatsnotcanonproductions.com. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.